You're listening to the LP Solutions Podcast, co-hosted by ORC insider Christopher McGordy and security consultant Don Carr, taking deep dives into all things organized retail crime, security, and law enforcement. Join us every Friday for a new episode as we explore informative topics and have insightful guest interviews. Thank you for joining us for episode nine on the LP Solutions podcast. I'm your co-host, Don Carr, with Security Industry Consultants. And I'm your co-host, Chris McGurdy with Naoka Worldwide. Welcome to the program. So today we wanted to have this episode uh, with Chris and I as we were going to just dive in a little bit to return fraud. Um, return fraud is reaching unprecedented levels. Chris was with TJX companies for approximately 10 years, and he has seen quite a bit with his own two eyes as it relates to return fraud. Um, also, uh, a report came out recently um, that about 10% of the merchandise returned is fraudulent. It's a big number too, about $78.4 billion annually is fraudulent returns. Chris, you want to take us in? Yeah, Don, that uh, report was, uh, you know, part of, uh, you know, APRIS Retail working with the NRF and they um, did a survey looking into various things as far as um, return fraud. And uh, the team over there at APRIS are great people and I've um, worked with them in the past and uh, they um, you know they uh, really kind of dig deep into various you know what's causing all this and looking at various things as far as the return uh, I'm not sure the total return I think we had a number there what was it like 470 something billion dollars I think as far as um, total to- total returns was 761 billion that's crazy. I mean, if you think about that, that's, you know, but I mean, then again, I mean, in sales is probably, you know, I don't know, trillions, I guess I would think, right? Because uh, retail is like a three or four trillion yes. industry. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, total sales was 4.5 trillion. So out of the total sales, so 10% of that, $78 billion is is the bad guys out there committing all kinds of things, whether it's, you know, you know, going to stores and, you know, picking up stuff off the street and putting tags on it and returning it or making fake receipts. You know, there's so many various scenarios that these groups are out there doing. Uh, you know, I literally followed people that did this for a living. They just uh, conducted, you know, uh, return fraud all day. You know, we would follow them from like Boston down into New York and they would consistently get on the highway and off the highways to various retail places and just conduct return fraud. You know, we had people that were making fake receipts, fake tickets. Um, It was pretty complex and was pretty sophisticated. And uh, like I said, they made a job out of it. It was like a day job. And, um, you know, um, at times it was kind of crazy because, you know, they always knew when to go out, especially they, they kind of head out around, uh, you know, or, or they would hit the highway around three or four o'clock. So you couldn't really follow them. It was kind of hard with the traffic and people out there. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of obstacles in that being, uh, an ORC investigator, but, um, uh, you know, then again, um, uh, 
you know, like I, like we said, there's a lot of money. It can be lucrative. You know, I had one guy that was conducting uh, return fraud and he made uh, close to $40,000 in four months. So, uh, you know, if again, it's the risk reward factor, if the risk is there and you're not going to get prosecuted and you're not going to get, you know, held accountable, you know, a lot of the people out there feel that the risk, you know, is worth it. And that's why people are out there doing this. Well said, Chris. Chris, let me ask you this. Um, you know, you spent, you know, the better part of a decade uh, with TJX companies working LP. Uh, what are some things that you think we can do as retailers to help reduce this problem? Well, the, the industry is looking at various things, you know, I mean, and we were talking about another article, Don, that, that the retailers are looking to basically, you know, not really uh, to pay the customers back. It's probably more more worthwhile for them to to just have the uh, customer keep the return rather than take the return because it's costing them more money for them to process it and have people process it and do the whole processing. It. And even, uh, you know, the big big places like Amazon and stuff, it's, you know, they'd rather have you uh, just hold on to the product. It's, you know, to them, it's, it's you know, the cost of shipping it back or, or returning it or, 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 you know, if it's damage issues or whatever, they'd rather, um, you know, rather than put it in their hands, they'd rather just have the customer deal with it than deal with it themselves. So there's a lot of various things that the industry is looking at in various ways. Um, but, I don't know. That's scary to me. I don't know your thoughts on it, but I, I think the, uh, you know, the the bad guys or the the organized groups would, uh, you know, really uh, look to, um, you know, take advantage of that if if in fact, you know, they know they can uh, purchase items and then return it uh, and then feel like uh, or, or continue to return things and if the especially if the, you know, if the retailer is going to credit me back and just tell me to keep it, you know, uh, there might be another market out there where then they turn around online and sell it. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of various things uh, that the industry is looking at, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of, uh, you know, if you're a retailer and you sell product, you know, that's one of the things, if things are damaged or if things don't fit, people return it. And, um, it's, I guess it's part of business. I guess it's, the cost of doing business, but the cost right now, like we said, is unprecedented. It's kind of through the roof. Absolutely. No, it's funny. I've, I've uh, returned things on Amazon before and they send a message saying, don't worry about sending this item back. Just dispose of it or donate it or keep it or whatever. Right. <laughs> it's more, <laughs> yeah. it's more <laughs> cheaper to keep it. Um, <laughs> cheaper to keep it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, what do you think about this idea though? Chris, yeah, you know, mo- most retailers require a person that's initiating a return to provide ID, right? Um, mm-hmm. I know Home Depot does, Lowe's does, <clears throat> excuse me, several of them do, especially if you don't have a receipt, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty much like standard if you don't have a receipt. Mm-hmm. What if the retailer had a database, well, there is, uh, the, you know, that's what I was going to tell you too. Da- uh, Appris, um, you know, does that with various retailers. They're pretty much in work with um, a lot of this different retailers, and they kind of narrow that down. That's where they get all their data. 
So uh, all that information that you're seeing on that report that came up by APRIS and the NRF was stuff that they worked together on, which was data driven from the returns that are coming back nationally. Gotcha. Um, maybe you can tell me if this specifically is already being done, but what if you had the face in a database? Uh, Extremely helpful, perfect. especially if you're investigating return fraud. Uh, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, um, face scope and Appris retail together might ha have a good conversation there that if you put the face to, um, you know, put the face to the return. That'd be helpful for people that are, uh, in, you know, committing fraud. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what I was thinking, right? Full transparency. Yeah. I'm an investor in, in, in Blue Wave Technology, uh, which has a product in their lineup called Facecope. And I was thinking from a return perspective, if and, and even if the image was just off of a camera, right? Just uh, a, a screen grab off of one of the storage cameras, but it, it put it into a database, even if you didn't have a name linked to it, but you could disposition that person as do not return. Right? Well, you could have then, identity if you could have other crimes too. So he, someone could be using someone else's identity, but then if you had a face and you could identify that person, you know, right. uh, it would it would help retailers and the police and law enforcement identify who that person is. And that's a right. big part of being an ORC investigator. I mean, you spend a lot of your time in the identification process trying to identify who these individuals are. So totally. if, if that would if that would speed up my process, uh, I'd have more cases. I'd have more ROI and my bosses would be happy. So, of course, yeah, it, it would be helpful. Yeah, I'm thinking like, you know, it, anybody can go to fakeid.com and get a new ID, right? It's like, it's crazy. It's yeah. 150 bucks and uh, you got it in three days. So it's like, well, we know you can buy anything on the dark web. So, I mean, you can pretty much buy anything you want. So, I mean, absolutely. black market is thri thriving and that's another scary issue, you know? Absolutely. So, you know, the one thing that is, is tough with a fake ID is it still has your picture on it. Right. And that representative gets to put eyeballs on your face and make a comparison to that of the face on the ID, regardless of the name on the ID, regardless of the ID number. That doesn't matter anymore because. Well, you, you would pick up to things, too, Don, if you, you know, if you had the same guy coming into four different stores and he's using, you know, various names, four different names at four different stores. You know, obviously, you know, that is a problem. You know, that to me, that would that would help speed up the process for me, you know. Um, and I would look for those things, you know, if he's using, uh, you know, Tom Jones at one store and he's using Fred Smith at another store. I mean, it's just, but it's the same guy and you can identify it's the same guy. It's just helpful. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm assuming Chris, that most of these retailers already have maybe a short or long list of the faces of individuals that are, uh, yeah, you, you know. spend your, a lot of the time initiating these, you know, you're going through returns, you're looking at things and, uh, you know, you're trying to identify where this, you know, where this merchandise is coming from and how are they getting it? And, uh, like I said, there's, there's various schemes. I mean, people walk just in the store, pick things up off the sales floor, go up and return it. Um, we've seen that a million times. There are people that, you know, literally, copy receipts, make receipts and, um, uh, make tickets. Uh, I had one crew out of Canada. They, I tracked them through a report. You know, I could watch them traveling from Canada down into Massachusetts, uh, just conducting fraudulent returns with fake tickets that they had created. Uh, well, so there was just, there was just a lot of, 
you know, a lot of things. But again, like you, you know, like you said, you want to identify who these people are, who they are, and and what you know. Just may it speeds up the process and it helps with you know prosecuting these individuals, uh, you know, with law enforcement. Absolutely, seems like maybe Blue Wave and a Prius Retail could uh, maybe work together someday. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a, an, an introduction uh, there. You know, might help. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, you know, we just wanted to, <clears throat> excuse me, scratch the surface, so to speak, on this ever-growing problem and ever-increasing in numbers of return fraud, right? It's but, but then again, we don't want the retailers and all them to kind of jump at, you know, giving free stuff away because that might kind of explode the problem, you know? I mean, that you know, we yeah. need people to really look at this and really figure out what's the best approach. Well, you and I talked about that, right? It's like you, you you make a decision to let the customer keep the merchandise and then you refund them, essentially paying them to keep the merchandise. What new cans of worms is that potentially open, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what other profiteering you know, person is going to be out there saying, well, I can figure this out or I can make this scheme to make money out of it. You know, There's always people out there trying to make money out of things. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I think... Uh, these things, and I think you agree, need to be weighed very carefully before deciding. Yeah, agree. You know, but you know, this has been another episode of the LP Solutions Podcast. Again, I'm your co-host Don Carr, and I'm your co-host Chris McGurdy with Naoka Worldwide. Thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you for listening to the LP Solutions Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please submit a request on realtimemedia.group. That's R-E-E-L, timemedia.group. You can download the LP Solutions podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. This is a Real Time Media Group production.